I know what you're thinking. I said Curtis was the one, but me and John used to go to the same beach in Melbourne when we were younger. How freaky is that? He can't be the one. He's Ted's grandson. You know, you've seen him. It is so reckless. I wanted the ground to swallow me up. I was thinking, yeah, we have met. I'm the copper that was under your granddad's sink. I lied. I removed evidence all to save your neck. Looking on the bright side, at least he bought the story about you being on the talent show. Oh, great, because now I'm the Weatherfield Wagner. And forget Chico time, it's Tinker time. Phil, we're two L's. Phil, we're two L's. Phil, we're two L's. Phil, we're two L's. Hello and welcome to episode 201 of The Talk of the Street, an unofficial Cornish Street Catcher podcast that thinks there ain't no vindication like an MSU t-shirt vindication. I'm Gavin. <laughs> and I think we give ourselves too much credit. Do you? No. Because <laughs> yeah, that would entirely against form for you. <laughs> Do you think I give myself far too much credit? Right. <laughs> because I'm American. Right. And uh, I think we've talked about this. I think this is something that I... I'm quite impressed by you know, that kind of self-confidence to suggest that the the slightest thing that happens on the show could be res- could be a responsibility. It's all a fret for crippling anxiety and um, <laughs> imposter syndrome, but you know, right. because again, good news then you may have noticed I'm an American. You certainly are. <laughs> How are you this week? Ah, yeah. We have we have kind of a new driver in the house Uh oh yeah Benny on the streets (laughs) Benny in the jets yes does that work on the streets because Benny was a girl in the song I think yeah because it was IE yes I guess which I think is the signifier of of gender somehow right and they were the work of Benny in like the 25th century so who knows? And a and a rock band of robots. An amalgam of everything. Yes. Anyway, yes, Benny's driving. Yes. So at fifteen. <laughs> this is terrifying. Well, he's 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 started, you know, he's he doesn't have a driver's license, he has a learner's permit, so he can drive with us in the car yeah, like under very specific circumstances. You need to be seventeen in the UK to be able to do that. And he, and he still has to do segment two of driver's ed. Which is it's just, it's just how do how do people who I mean we're not we're not wealthy by by any stretch of the imagination but we're not we're not bad off we're okay we do all right yeah and it's still you know ridiculously expensive you know throwing three hundred dollars down for driver's ed wait till we have to insure them like yeah I can't imagine. You know, it's it's very prohibitive now, you know, instead and, of back in like, the day when I didn't have to take driver's ed at all. I just had to take one safety class. It shows. <laughs> oh, I are you saying that? I my, don't mean that. There was a joke there. There was a gap for a joke to go and, and it had to be filled. Nature you, abhors a vacuum. Are you are you telling me that my parents were terrible drivers who taught me how to drive terribly? Oh, I could be telling you that. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. With no joke. 
My mom taught me how to drive. My dad she's only. A, she's a good driver. I, I don't really have any experience of your dad driving. My dad only taught me how to drive stick, which, you know, is really helpful now. Yeah. <laughs> but my parents said, no, you need to learn how to drive stick. They taught, they insisted that it was very important for me to learn how to drive stick, but they didn't teach me how to change a tire, <laughs> which would have been. Arguably handier. Yes. But oh well. Yeah. So, so you can, you can drive it at 15. Yeah. Well, you can get your learner's permit at 15. He's still driving. It's not as if he's, like, we're suddenly driving. He's right. driving. He's not bad. You know, he he kind of hugs the line a wee bit. Which one? The center line or the The sideline, the curb line. Which, you know, is if, if, if you're, if you're going to hug one of those lines, I suppose that's the better of the two. Is it? But not by... But not, not for a pedestrian, it isn't. No, no, but... You know, on these backcountry roads, you don't get very many pedestrians. But, you know, otherwise he did pretty good. It was weird seeing him in the driver's seat, though. Yeah. He looked... It, he's taller than I am, and yet he looked so tiny. He looks very small. Yeah, that photograph that you took. He looks very small. I mean, I'm, I'm planning for him. I don't know what our plans are for, for getting to the movies tonight if uh-huh. you're in town. Anyway, I don't know if you're coming back after. No, your, no, we're your not errands. coming back. We're gonna, we're gonna stay in Lansing. Well, I was gonna get, get him to drive up to the movies. Mm-hmm. Is he allowed on the interstate? Would you go on the interstate to get to the movies? Uh, it you? depends on what other errands I'm running. Yeah. I don't know if I'd. Uh, I was on the interstate on my test. I, I, do you know what? I'll ask if he's been on the interstate. There he hasn't. He's he always hasn't. driven in town. So, and then from Mason. Here. I'm sure all of this is very fascinating to people listening. I, I really, I don't. But it's just important that we get this uh, <laughs> this sorted out before we go about our day. So, yeah, thank you for uh, for participating in this yes. conversation. How are you this week? I've had a lot of fun this week. Mm-hmm. And I've had a lot of fun with Corey stuff this week. It's, uh, it's, been, a, it's been a good week to be, I guess I'm a Corey content creator, the three C's. That I always aspired to be when I was at school. Hmm. It's been a good week to be a content be creator. Seeing the Tyrone in his MSU shirt was just that was fun. That just always makes me it, smile. Yeah, that was delightful. Especially as we've been making kind of a big deal about him not wearing it for right. such a long time. That it, and then for him to be sitting wearing his MSU shirt, and then Kev say, "Filled with two L's." With two L's. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know if if that's coincidence or not. It it feels like it's a big coincidence. It feels like maybe it's not a coincidence. Right. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I was looking to see who wrote that episode. It was Julie Jones and uh, Carmel Morgan. Yeah, but writing the episode would account for the fill with two L's. It wouldn't necessarily account for the MSU t-shirt. But still. I don't know. The fact that it's come back, I was talking to my friend Steve about this uh-huh. uh, over lunch. Because uh-huh. we're ladies for lunch. Yes. Occasionally. Yes. And uh, he said, that means the fact that it's come back, right? the fact that it's had two airings means uh-huh. that it's logged and uh, catalogued somewhere. Right, yes. So that they have to, you know, for continuity and things like that. Right. Which, which might have happened in that episode that the right. one scene might have been filmed days later right. than, the, yeah. than the first one. So so that's that's catalogued somewhere in, yes. the, <laughs> in the Corey archives. Right. Which... Um, just fills me with glee and, and i don't think even, i've said glee in such a long time it may even be catalogued with you know donated by the talk of the street podcast so 
because you know there's um there's there's a uh, there's a paper that I wrote in college that's uh, cataloged at the Mashantucket Mash Pequot Museum and Research Center. It's easy for you, is it? That has, you know, my name on it and everything. And granted, I donated it while I was working there, so, you know. And you filled out the form. <laughs> <laughs> it's exciting anyway. Right, yeah. It's exciting to think about the fact that something you created, although we didn't create the T-shirt, but we... We're responsible for right. it. Something that you're responsible for is some is cataloged somewhere where other people can access it in some way, whether it's you know to read a research paper or to put a T-shirt on a soap character. Right. You know, I don't know. Is there like is there like something like the Smithsonian <laughs> in the UK for like museums of popular culture? I guess sort of it must thing? be. Do you know? I think the uh, Kelvin Grove probably like that in Glasgow. Yeah. Because it's got Billy Connolly's banana boots. Well, of course it does. Right. It's Glasgow. <laughs> it's a museum in Glasgow. All museums in Scotland are required to have something of Billy Connolly's, aren't they? Yeah, and a uh, traffic cone on the statue of right. the um, the Duke of Wellington outside right. it. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Shall we preamble, my dear? <laughs> sure. Give us some of that potassium-rich core news. <laughs> Soap icon June Brown died this week. While she is best known as Dot Cotton on EastEnders, she also did a stint or two on Corey in the 70s as Mrs. Parsons. Mrs. Parsons. Mrs. Parsons. June was 95. 95, you said. 95 years old. 95 years young. Wow. Yes. I'm not a huge EastEnders fan. I, well, I, yes. well, do you know, I just don't watch it. Right. Um, I don't really know if I'm a fan of it or not. I guess if I started watching it, I would probably continue watching it. I don't have time. But when I think back to the times when I was watching these standards, it was all Dot and Ethel uh -huh. were like they were the real sunshine in the show for um, for such long periods, uh -huh. and she really was the icon. I mean, people talk about Barbara Windsor who passed away recently. It's mm -hmm. been you know the dame of of East Enders. Uh -huh. You know, there's a there's a strong case to be made for June Brown as well. Yeah, and she did an episode once. You know, we've we've. Remarked on Coronation Street sometimes about their uh, their two handers or their three handers that they do like half an episode is right. just like the barlows or whatever um, it happened to be. She did a monologue for an entire episode once, yeah. and it was amazing. I, I found it was I thought it was amazing at the time. I think it it, it got mixed reviews, mm -hmm. but when I think of her, I think of that episode, and I just think of being goosebumps, right? Yeah, all the way through it. Yeah, very much an icon and really sad news, but 95. 95. That's a decent innings, isn't it? It is. Absolutely. Jude Reardon got a bit of a family reunion this week as his <laughs> real-life brother, Zach, played his opponent with the headphones on. Big brother, I'm going to say. I would assume big brother, <laughs> yes. Some people thought it was Max. Oh, really? So, <laughs> it's a younger, skinnier Max. Who looks completely different. Right. Mm -hmm. But he's Blonde hair and I guess the same haircut. I guess. I guess. Who knows? He doesn't really speak, so. No, I don't think he does. He have a line. I, I don't think he does. No, because he just refuses to shake his hand and then yeah. he storms off, doesn't he? Yep. Yeah, it's funny. You could see the. Uh, I think Jude took a photograph of the his dressing room door yeah. and it's got the two names on it, right. which was 
which is pretty cool. Yes, that is That's adorable. Nice. They are the modern day Culkins. <laughs> Although I guess the Culkins are still modern day Culkins because they're still working. Yeah. Macaulay and um, Kel- what's what's the is name? Kieran. I want to say Kieran. Kieran yes. Kieran. Is it, it begins with a K. Yeah, I think it's Kieran. Who's doing such a great job on succession it's not kevin because that's no that's a that's, kid's name in home alone right and also he, he was in a home alone too he was one of the he was younger in home kids alone two or home alone comma two he was kieran culkin was also in home alone that's a better way of saying it yeah. yes he okay. played like the younger brother who like screams or something i don't know it's been a while since i've seen that movie that's how he's credited yes <laughs> younger kid who screams or something <laughs> Played by Kieran Culkin. If indeed it is Kieran. I'm not convinced it is. None of those Culkin kids have normal names. They're all... Well, well, last name of Culkin. What are you going to do? John Culkin? Well, maybe. <laughs> all right. Okay. Finally. Yeah. Finally. Another former Corey star has also shaken off this mortal coil. Oh. Jennifer Wilson, who played Mrs. Bradbury on the show. Mrs. Bradbury. And also starred in Doctors and Casualty, died this week at her home in France. She was 89. So condolences to her family as well as June Brown's family. Absolutely. Is that four in two weeks? Yeah. It's the age, isn't it? And also, yes. quite frankly, after the two years we've had, I'm, oh. I'm astounded that it's not worse. Yeah. Oh, harbinger of doom kind of. There, but never mind. Let's, never mind. Let's move on let's to move happier on to, things. Well, podcast for coffee. Yes, coffee is happy. Thanks to Joe for donating to our coffees this week. Thank you, Joe. Congrats on your 200th episode, he says. Thanks for all the great bonus content. Look forward to the Empty Cup Awards each month and hope you'll do another Blanche's Best Bits. Well, I plan to. Having a little bit of trouble getting my my screen recording set up on the ITV Hub, so <sighs> hopefully we'll find a way around about that. Otherwise, well, otherwise I have an awful lot of time on my hands. Right. Finally get to that bathroom. ITV send us screeners. They should send us screeners anyway. They should. They should. Get on that ITV. And also thanks to Hunker Munker <laughs> of the Newport Hunker Munkers, I believe. <laughs> Hi guys, love the podcast. You really nailed it in Wednesday's episode. The t-shirt and Phil with two L's. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. We're quite proud. We're quite proud of our work. <laughs> thanks to Joe and Hunker Munker for sending us some donations for our coffee money this week. I'm drinking my coffee out of Mr. Osborne as a fanny mug. I'm drinking it out of my black and white floral mug which is massive that i believe i got in an auction lot at some point and just didn't sell because i liked the size of it because i like massive mugs i don't think it's big enough for soup but it's a decent size it's got a nice wide rim nothing wrong with that (laughs) anyway thanks to jordan hunker monker (laughs) if you want to donate to our coffee fund for next week you can go to ko-fi.com that's ko fi.com slash the talk of the street and, and we'll be very appreciative won't we helen yes we will and this month the money stays with us yes yeah, we're we not donating coffee. them not this month not this month maybe next month we'll maybe see how it goes month. do you know i was kind of hoping that the whole ukraine thing would have been done by now yeah <laughs> yikes that's like people hoping after two weeks that covid was going to be done remember that i was those people as well <laughs> I don't know if that makes me optimistic or just completely stupid. unrealistic and stupid. Yeah. 
Naive. Not That's stupid. Yeah. There we go. There we go. And now it's Helen's favourite section. <laughs> it's new tubes. This is a section where we talk about what's new on our YouTube channel. We broke through 400 subscribers. We broke through 450 subscribers this week. So we're almost halfway there. Almost halfway to me thrown in the day job. We're halfway there. And becoming a 50-year-old YouTuber (laughs) with a backwards baseball cap and a bad attitude. Well, that's... That's about right, because the young ki- the young kids are no longer on the YouTube. They're all on the TikTok. And the Twitch. And the Twitch, yeah. Yeah, I, I discovered... YouTube is an old man's game now. <laughs> My, yeah. <laughs> I'm always at the cutting edge. Yes. I'm going to be getting into 8-track soon. <laughs> My man bag kind of died. Kind of? I think that I've had that man bag for... 20 years. Uh, not 20 years, but it's... It's more than 10. Right. And it's probably more than 12. Because it was already raggedy when you moved to the United States. Oh, was, was it? A little. It'd been around. It's been everywhere with me. My passports, yes. plural, are in it. Right. My laptop, iPad, checkbook, pens, pads, a novel, a Kindle, lots of things. I just, I carry about with me. Right. Secret powder spray to you know to check under black uh, a black light is it there you know too much light and upon magic here <laughs> but i think i think it's starting to be getting eaten by things and right it's disintegrating a little bit yes but my work just handed out a bunch of backpacks for people and i thought well that's fine i can use my backpack right because it's a good backpack it's it is a good backpack tons of compartments in it yeah so I go to work and I've got my backpack with me instead of my man bag. Uh-huh. And I've got all my stuff in there, my passports right. are in there, my laptop and all that stuff. Your black light. I th- my black light and my handcuffs. <laughs> and I throw I throw it onto my shoulder. Uh-huh. And that's when I realise that everybody is walking from the parking lot to work with their back, because everyone's got the same backpack. Uh-huh. They're all wearing it on two shoulders. Uh-huh. If you'd done that when I was at school, you'd get beaten up. Yeah, you're not in school anymore. Well, this is true. And also people understand about wear and tear to their backs. One shoulder. They used to call it a consultant shoulder. If you had a you kind of lean this way. Lent one way over the other. <laughs> I definitely had consultant's posture for a while. Anyway. For a while, you say. Yeah, YouTube's. So aside from the regular stuff, last week's podcast, my three favourite clips from this week's episode, and each of this week's episodes covered in under four minutes, we have in the extra section is one full minute of Gail and Rebecca saying Martin's name to Martin. It's worth a check. That's quite funny. If that tickles your fancy, head over to youtube.com slash the Talk the Street podcast, smash that subscribe button and scratch the psoriasis of that notification bell. And now... This. A welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to last year tonight with me, John Oliver. Just enough time to quickly talk about invisible nappy changers. Oh, are these the ghosts that help Jenna that live in her head? Oh, you're close. <laughs> this was Bernie trying to help out Kathy, who wanted to be invisible again after the whole trolling scandal. Right, and so remember Bernie that? said, you can be an invisible nappy changer for me if you like. 
I was Gavin and you were a spaniel. What? You were a spaniel. This was a visual hair-based joke. For some reason, you Oh, you'd yeah, fed because your... my hair was like... It was like this, mm-hmm. that it looked like spaniel ears. Okay, yeah, yeah, I remember that. You were very keen to get a haircut, which led me to summarise my conversations that I have with my barber every time I go and get my haircut. We talk about the Spartans, we talk about the weather, and then we talk about nothing. <laughs> you were seven poems into Naporimo. Yeah, I've written one. You have? This month. Well, once again, I'm surprised by April, so I haven't written any. Nano Ripo is poetry, <laughs> National Poetry Month. Naporimo. Naporimo. What you're meant to do is write a poem a day. Thirty poems by the end of April, right? Yes, I've done that a couple of times. It's it's a good exercise, but yeah. I always forget. Yeah, about you it. end up devolving into haiku quite quickly. Yeah, day two. <laughs> <laughs> Shorts and flip flops were on. Yeah. It was snowing last night. Not today. There's frost on the pumpkin. And you announced that the family of one of your high school friends invented skeechers. Skechers. Skechers. Sketches. Yeah. The success of our caravan holiday is asked to do some heavy lifting in the future of Fizz and Tyrone's relationship. Tim's mum is hoping to get to know her granddaughter a bit better, and that very afternoon Faye is looking to get to know Craig a lot better. Nina is worried that her new relationship may be responsible for pushing Asha back Tim's into mom. the despicable arms of ITV Corey. Tim's mum, always a cock blocker. Been a historical cock blocker. Yes. Brian and his supposed antics make it onto the front page of the Weather Gazette, drawing more unwelcome attention to the cabin. Todd's new job at the funeral home isn't quite as customer-facing as he'd hoped. Carla and Peter seem to be plotting together, and she jumps at the chance to distance herself from the running of the factory. Leanne's and Simon's involvement with the drugs gang grows deeper as Harvey begins to smell a rat. Sandra Rafferty is particular about biscuits. Ned isn't embarrassed by sanitary products. And Steve is full. A moment in the week was Dev getting lifted for the chippy drug run, and that was absolutely hilarious. And our boring moment of the week was Craig's interest in the squirrel park. Oh, remember that. I don't remember. I remember that. Most of what I've just read out. (laughs) And that was Coronation Street and the Talk of the Street this time last year. Shall we dive in? Medea. Yes. Our first storyline this morning. Can I just say, this was a good week. There was lots that are. I mean, there's lots that's nonsense. Let's right, just yes. say that now. And we'll go into more detail about that nonsense, I'm sure, in the next hour or of so. Of course we will. But I laughed an awful lot at it. Uh-huh. And I started to like characters a little bit more mm-hmm. together right. than I had up to that point. Right. And we both ended up quite weepy by the end. Yes? And uh, No, not so much. You didn't cry on Friday? No. At all? No. What? Not even close. Oh my God, you are a monster. Which, I, I was too busy thinking, this is so close to the anniversary of my mother's death, that you'd think it would trigger something in me. And it didn't. So I was kind of remarking on that to myself and kind of forgot to cry. It's been seven years. I know. Seven years a couple of days ago. Yeah. Yeah, it came up in my Facebook memories. And it didn't come up in mine for the first time. It came up with the day that me, Stubbs and Graham went to the pub mm-hmm. before I left. Which is, I was actually quite thankful for because that was mm-hmm. like a, obviously a happier memory. Right, yes. Anyway, our first anyway. line this morning is Weatherfield Wagner. <laughs> On Monday, John knocks up Emma early doors with a, bunch, like that. with a bunch of flowers because he's missed her. Aww. He's keen to meet at hers today because he's moved out of his place and is living with his mum. But she dingies that idea and they agree to meet on neutral ground, Switzerland. <laughs> he wants to spend every waking moment with her. 
And before this makes he her leaves, smile. Before he leaves to Australia. At the young crew flat, Faye is complaining about a, pound, Tyrone. a pounding heart that she's putting down to the pregnancy. They're off to the doctors this morning. Emma sees that they're heading out and they don't say when they'll be back. So she calls John and invites him over after all. Now, this is not the doctor's appointment where she gets the scan. It, but no, it, but no. it is a doctor's appointment related to the pregnancy. This is what I get hung up on, yes. So let's all remember that, that she went to a doctor's appointment for her pregnancy and there were no red flags for whatever doctor she saw at this appointment for her pregnancy. She made the appointment last week because, she, remember, she was right, on the yeah. phone and she hung up right. quick when, when mm-hmm. Emma came in. Yes. So she made the appointment because she thought she was pregnant. So I would have thought that the first thing that they would do, I don't know, I don't have a medical they'd already, degree, they'd already done take a, a test. Right. Well, they'd already done the pregnancy test at home. But yes, that would have been one of the things. And also she would have had a physical exam. Right. Which would have told them some things, would have been important. <laughs> so this makes it sound like she did not have a physical exam at this appointment. It makes it sound like she never went to that appointment, is really what, it's, what it says to me. But what is interesting, and I think works better now that I'm thinking back to it, is that racing heart thing that she has. Mm-hmm. It does seem kind of symptomatic of what she thinks is a problem later on. So anyway, John comes over and then midwinch, he suddenly gets all sad about leaving. He has plans to open a bar in Australia and shows her some photos and she realises, wait a minute, I've been to that beach. <gasps> I used to go to that beach all the time with my <gasps> mum. She used to live just an hour away. Fate! What a coincidence. It was meant to be, says John. Which, you know, is true because Australia's massive. Australia's quite big. So... Well, which? Huh? Is it massive or is it quite big? It's the same thing, isn't it? Well, see, when you say quite big, that seems like it's not really big at all. But when you say quite big, you mean very big. Yes. Yes, because I'm American and not British, so I have a different relationship no, with big. the word quite. It was quite big. It was quite good. For for, for, for us, quite, quite means very, very big. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whereas for you, it's like, eh, Everyone big. lives on the edges of it, though. That's true. Not very many people live in the outback. So Emma starts reminiscing and thinking about her mum. So John asks her to move to Australia with him. The idea of being on a plane with him for 24 hours is enough to make anyone jump without a parachute. He says he feels like he's known her forever and wants to spend the rest of his hopefully brief life with her. He calls it... (laughs) Gavin Alexander Broom, how dare you? He calls it the chance of a lifetime and she can work with her mum and then work with him once he has his bar set up. Emma promises to think about it. And throws John out just as Craig and Emma are coming uh, back. Emma has dated a lot of people who turned out to be not great. But they were always, but even f- for each one of them, there was always this honeymoon period where they seemed very great. Where they seemed like, you know, the man of her dreams. She's still in that honeymoon period with John. It's been n- not even a month. Well... She killed Ted on New Year's Day. <laughs> so it's, it's at most... Faye killed Ted. I know. It's at most a month and a half. Yeah. Yeah, because she didn't meet him until the funeral and they didn't get together until like a week later-ish. Oh, yeah, maybe maybe more than that. It's, it's maybe just a month. <laughs> yeah. At least, at least in Australia, her mother is there as well. 
So if everything goes topsy-turvy with, with John, she can move in with her mum. Yeah. So they're all back at the flat when the, the buzzer goes. Craig answers and it's John looking for his phone that he's left behind. So before Emma can do anything, John comes up, bounds into the flat and then says, don't I know you? And Craig paps his pants like a proper big boy copper. Right, yeah. Initially he's like, oh, hiya, nice to meet you. <laughs> John won't be dissuaded when Craig says, no, I have no idea who you are. You've never met me before. And he asks for Craig's name. Craig says that his name is Bernard. <laughs> Where do you work? Craig says the Knicker Factory. Emma pipes up and says that Craig is actually a famous sicker. Emma pipes <laughs> up and says, sicko. Emma pipes up and says, actually, Craig is a famous singer. He was the worst entrant on the Great British Sing Song. That sounds like a just an abhorrent show. What did you sing? asks John. Shirley Bassey says Craig. Which song? Kiss me, honey, honey. Go for it then. So Craig actually gives a rendition of. Kiss me, honey, honey. While <laughs> Faye rolls her eyes all the way around in their sockets, and then satisfied, John bids them all a good day and leaves. You're a you fucking idiot, this. snaps Faye. You think of Craig singing? <laughs> it was predictable, right? He didn't surprise me with his singing. No, he sur- it surprised me that that's what happened, but it didn't surprise me that his singing was kind of wavery and Ugh. no real sense of pace. But no. I think that's Craig, isn't it? It is. That was hilarious. <laughs> it was. It was. It was Faye's reaction. Painful. Faye's reaction to it was was funny. She's standing kind of in the back, in disbelief, right? But also rolling her eyes and thinking yeah. this is painful. And then Emma's kind of face is screwed up, wondering why is this happening, and then not realizing that it's, it's her fault that this is that this is happening. So yeah, so you're a fucking idiot, snaps Faye. Emma points out that she and John are in love, but Faye and Craig can't be calmed. Craig reminds everyone that he tampered with evidence for her. Forget Chico time, it's tinker time, says Craig, and he reckons it's just a matter of time before John puts two and two together. Doesn't know John very well. Faye tells Emma that she needs to dump him for good. Emma says maybe she should go to Australia after all, or maybe telling the truth is the way to go. Well, let's not be hasty, says Craig. The only way you're going to Australia is on a transporter, says Faye, which would have been quite funny. Had this been the 1920s or whatever. <laughs> now break up with a dull twat. I am not giving birth in prison, she says. And this revelation seems to change things for Emma. Yes. So Emma meets Chuckles in the community garden. <laughs> that transporter joke, man. That was just... <laughs> yeah, Australians are never going to live that down. <laughs> no. Emma meets Chuckles in the community garden. Right enough, he remembers who Craig is now. And he was at Dead Ted's house the day that John went to see or whatever. Emma says that he never speaks about his work. And anyway, you're dumped. And this wipes a fucking smile off his face. Right. This isn't reality. You've got carried away and you swept me along, says Emma, which is pretty close to the truth. Right. So John decides that he isn't going to move to Australia either then. He's just going to stay here with Emma. Right. What? What? He wants to be with her forever. Right, this person that he's maybe been dating a month, maybe. Right, and he's been harbouring these dreams forever. Yeah. Moving to Australia. Right, and already has everything in place and Mm -hmm. has already moved out of his flat and has already saved his pennies from his job. As a a a trolley trolley jockey. jockey at at Freshco. Mm -hmm. How is he of. Gemma? 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 Gemma. Bernie and Chesney can barely afford to feed their kids mm-hmm. 
with two jobs each between them. That's Joker. And yet this guy has enough money to buy property in Australia and move to Australia and build a bar in Australia. On the beach. On the beach. Cheap property, you'd think. Yes. Next to all that wetness. <laughs> Emma refuses to let him do this because they've only known each other for a couple right, of weeks. Right, yeah. And you'll blame me for not being happy. Right. She calls John merely a booty call and tells him not to get in contact with her again. But I love you, he says. Is that not calling me again? Says Emma. <laughs> and she storms off. <laughs> she goes back to the flat and tells Craig and Faye that she's dumped the love of her life since Curtis and hopes that they're both happy. Are you absolutely sure that you got the message? Asks Faye. Fuck's sake, yes, says Emma. You only care about yourself, you selfish bitch. And she storms off to her room while Faye thinks, well, that was rude. Rude but true. I was quite pleased that Emma eventually snapped and yeah. started dropping these truth bombs on, on Faye, Faye because she has been an absolute nightmare. And she's been doing the same thing for weeks where she's a nasty bitch until Emma does what she wants her to do. Right, and then, and then, then all of a sudden she's like, oh, softly, my best friend. Uh -huh. Oh, my... it must be terrible for you. I'm so sympathetic. Right. You're a cow. Sort yourself out. Seriously. On Wednesday, it's PC Tinker's first day back at work and Emma is not in the mood to be nice. She calls him and Faye a pair of shits and goes straight back to her room. Faye worries that they've ruined their life. Craig is confused because Emma and John have been going out for, what, like five seconds? Shut up, Craig. Faye, Faye tells Emma that her jammies are well-gorge. Well-gorge. I've ruined the love of your life, but your jammies are quite nice. Yes. They're well-gorge, even. On her way to work, Faye takes a dizzy turn. Craig thinks it's stress. Beth and Tim come along and Beth blurts out that the first 12 weeks of pregnancy are so important and thus tipping off Tim, who uses his entire brain cell to figure out what this means. Faye is up the duff and he escorts her back to number four. Tim makes some tea as he and Tim's mum make sure that Faye is happy with having a child. With Craig. <laughs> it wasn't what we planned, says Faye, but sure, whatever. <laughs> Tim is impressed that Faye and Craig are so settled and all grown up and stuff and you hardly ever kill people's granddads. I am so proud. I have to say... I it, it, I appreciate how enlightened the show is about these two young people who are not married having a baby together. Oh, out, out of wedlock? Uh, out of wedlock and also... Oh, I don't think soaps have cared about that for years. <laughs> well, generations, maybe. Well, the, the parents typically care sometimes. Tim? Well, not Tim, but... <laughs> Tim and these two marriages? Tim two marriages, they call him. Tim two marriages. But, you know, it, and also the fact that, you know, Faye really has no... She, what What is her job again? Does she work at the Knicker Factory? She is in sales. Oh, that's right. She does work at the Knicker Factory. The whole blanket <laughs> job description that... that For everyone. That excuses why you're in the factory occasionally. Yeah. You're either in sales or you're making the Knickers. Or you're packing, or, or you're packing. the Knickers. Yeah. Or you're, uh, you're the exec, right. Sarah and Carla. Right. Faye goes home and tries to make it up with Emma, who isn't interested. This is for the best of us, says Faye. There is no us, says Emma. And then the buzzer goes, it's John. It's me, John. Remember, John, from the other day? Who you I was said you the, never wanted to see again? I was the annoying giggly guy. Can I come up? Who kept calling you over and over again after you told me that you didn't want to see me again? And kept calling and kept calling and kept calling and kept calling and kept calling. Remember that guy? John. Yeah. John's my name. Can I come up? It's John. Oh, God. 
No H. So he comes up full of questions about PC Tinker's investigation at Ted's flat. He demands the truth. And so Faye tells him, Look, we killed your granddad. Now fuck off before we kill you too, she says. <laughs> she doesn't say that. It was just a terrible mistake. <coughs> I'm so sorry, says Emma. But it's true. So Emma and Faye explain what happened. And they didn't go to the hospital because Ted says he was worried he was going to end up in a nursing home because of his people in his family. Right. Like you, John. Yeah. Emma wanted to pay her respects, which is why she went to the funeral, and she ended up falling in love with John. Meeting him has been the one good thing to come out of killing your granddad. <laughs> and even though John is the worst character in the show for quite some time, that's still true. Upset, John rushes out, pursued by a bejammed Emma. Did I? You know, I, I, had a bro, I had a cousin named John Spear. He's deceased now. Is his name Spear as well? Yeah. Is it? Yeah, John uh, Spear. Isn't that funny? Yeah. It was Jonathan, but still, no H, because Jonathan. One of my friends that worked back in the UK was called Derek Yates, who was the bad guy in 24 London. I think we've discussed that before. <laughs> that always just made me laugh. <laughs> Find Derek Yates. That was just so funny. <laughs> Torturing them. <sighs> so Faye in the meantime has rushed to the toilet and when she comes out she tells Emma that she's bleeding and she's worried that she's losing the baby Craig rushes round and loses his shit when he finds out that they've told John the truth and he goes full falsetto when he worries that John went to the police also I might be losing your baby says Faye so muttering under his breath about missing the lumpy custard at the works canteen he ferries Faye off to the hospital doesn't his mum make the custard, the lumpy custard? There's a reference to his mum's lumpy custard. Can't which... remember. Oh dear. At the hospital, Craig is giving Faye a hard time about coming clean to John. We're all going to prison, he says. Faye doesn't want to bring her fresh new baby into a life full of lies. It's bad enough that it'll have Craig for a dad. <laughs> Good point, says Craig. So John goes back to see Emma. It's John, says John. Remember me? The guy it's you said you John, never wanted yeah. to see again? No way. Remember me? He tells her that he won't, not that John Spears. The other John Spears. Spear. No S. No S. No H. He tells her that he won't be coming. Well, what S? <laughs> right, right at the start. <laughs> yes. And not, uh, right. not at the end. He tells her he won't be going to the police because somehow, some way, <laughs> there's a chance he's managed to probably get his hole out of all this. It gives John comfort to know that the last person Ted saw was Emma, and to a lesser extent, Faye. Faye. He asks if she meant what she said earlier about loving him and stuff because he reckons that this is destiny. And now everything's out in the open. He asks Emma again to move to Australia with him. <sighs> Back at the hospital. So the technician has a look at Faye's baby and then goes off for her supervisor, which even Craig realises isn't a good sign. No. The tech comes back to confirm that not only isn't Faye pregnant, she never was. The test must have been a false positive. She advises Faye to go see Dr Gadass, which I thought she'd already done. Right. There's some tests to make sure that there's nothing else going on. Right. That was kind of ominously right. mentioned on, on Wednesday. Yeah. Back at the flat, Emma is temporarily worried, then sad, then confused at face news. But Emma has good news for them both. John isn't going to the police. Quite the opposite. Because the opposite of going to the police is going to Australia. <laughs> the nightmare is over. <laughs> on a transport. <laughs> she's going to Australia. and she, He's going to Australia and she's going with. Craig and Faye look made of questions about Antipodean immigration requirements but they will have to keep because Emma nods and smiles. Finally, she says, I'm getting out of this fucking flat. Everybody's getting out of that fucking flat this week. 
On Friday, Emma is making a fuss over Faye, who wasn't pregnant, and so nothing is really wrong with her. Emma does a good job in pretending to be interested, but is quick to change the conversation to Australia. It seems that Steve doesn't know about it yet, or has even heard the name John. Right, yes. Yes, let's, let's not forget, her family has never even met this guy. Right. Faye goes to see Tim, who has bought a baby wedding county kit for the, for the kid. Yes, who he thinks is going to be named Tommy. After Tommy O. Right. Who, I don't know, didn't we cancel him? I think he got cancelled after the ITV Corey stuff. Yeah. Tearfully, Faye has to explain that Craig hadn't knocked her up after all. Back at the flat, John comes round to say cheerio to Emma. Hilariously, he does this after calling her on the phone, right. and then he buzzes the flat, and then she says, hold on a sec, I need to let somebody in. So she lets somebody in, and it's And it's, it's him. John! Ha 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 such a joker. Such a card. I can't believe I'm not coming with you, she says. Well, come with me then, says John. <laughs> Australia lets in anyone, and you can sort everything out once you get there. And they both laugh. Faye says that she's been to see her GP, this is to Tim still, mm-hmm. and she's waiting for the results of some tests now, which she's sure are going, to, are going to come back fine. Now, this is going to obviously come back not fine. Right, yeah. But it can't be cervical cancer because Sinead's still reasonably warm on the ground. Isn't she? It's not been that long since been two since years. Sinead. Was that before COVID? Yeah, it was before COVID. Was it really? Yeah. Well, that's still... Too soon. I mean, I he's already moved on with two different women. Three, if we count Bethany. Three. Yeah, I think we're going to say three. Ah. Just the one cardigan, though. <laughs> Which they all have to share. Ooh. <laughs> um, I think standing up on its own by now. Well, I mean, it it could be other forms of cancer with with her bits ah, not because it's not cancer. just your cervix. It could be, you know, uterine. Or ovarian, yes. Chips. Yeah. No, because she says that she was on so many antihistamines because of the dog. Right. That that's what caused the racing heart, which is absolutely what antihistamines do. Right, yeah. And then it can also cause a false positive. Medicine is so weird because it's like... Um, Either sneeze at a dog or be pregnant. Right. Yeah. And also with those tests, because I've had a couple of false positives before as well and yes you have and uh one of the things is is if if you let it sit too long it'll give you a false positive which is weird (laughs) that you know if you don't throw it it's stewed a little longer (laughs) right (laughs) but also like if you're on birth control and then you are also on antibiotics it, antibiotics can cancel out your birth control and that's why we have Steli. <laughs> so, you know, it's just a just a madhouse down there. You never know what's going to happen. All bets are off. So, so, yeah, so there's something definitely up with Faye's bits. Yes. Tracy has, or just with Faye. has Amy at the Rovers trying to identify flowers. They, they can't identify sunflower, which, come on, even I know that. Emma comes in, see you later losers, I'm off to Australia with my boyfriend that you've never met. What? Asks a shocked Steve who has sneaked in behind her. So at Speed Dial, Emma's taking the whole family out and she explains to them all about John. Emma thinks a a sunflower is a carnation. Right. (laughs) Ha ha. Yikes. Which Amy knew something off but didn't know that this was a plan. Steve thinks it's ridiculous, it's too soon. Curtis makes me happy, says Emma. I mean, what's his name? John, with no H, he makes me happy. 
Steve wants to meet him first, but Emma says there may not be time because he's off getting her luggage because they're leaving tonight. Tonight? Tonight! London! London! John comes in and Steve gets torn into him. You're not taking my daughter anywhere. Emma says John is worth the risk. Steve says you thought that about the last fella. <laughs> and I'm, the fella before that. I'm not. Pre- I'm the fella before that. I'm not pretending to die, says John, if that helps. That, that was funny. I liked that part. Amy rubs her temples and wishes that she was in a normal family. Good luck with that. Steve demands to see some identification. So John, who's leaving for Australia today, remember, can only provide his library card. Not we'll his your passport. passport on you. Okay. Because he doesn't drive, so he doesn't have a driver's license. Tracy thinks if the library card checks out, she can give her blessing. Emma says that she's going whether Steve likes it or not. Then what's the point, says Steve, and he storms off. And it's unclear whether anyone has ordered any food at this point. Back at the flat, Emma's upset that she's broken Steve's heart. It's not clear where John went. Maybe he's still trying to get his library card back. <laughs> anyway, Faye tells her that she can't fly off to Australia illegally without trying to fix things with Steve first. Meanwhile, at number one, Steve feels abandoned by everyone he loves. You've still got me, says Tracy. You can be so cruel sometimes, <laughs> says Steve. <laughs> in comes right, Emma. Right, because his mum's gone, his brother's gone, yeah. Amy's not speaking to him still at the moment. Sore, still sore about uh, Andy not being there. He's not been in for donkey's years. Yes. That's a, He's a only wound. on the phone sometimes. That's a wound that is running deep. In comes Emma through Steve's back door. But not like that. And Tracy leaves them to it. Emma says finding out that Steve was her dad was the best bit of her life. Sure. Sorry, old dead, not dad. She explains that she's not running away from anything or anyone. She wants to be spontaneous and can't wait to be held at the airport without a visa. She loves Steve and so does Amy, she says. Let us live our lives. So Steve gives his blessing. Go on with Curtis, he says. Jim, says Emma. Or no, John. John. Whatever, says Steve. Yes. At the flat, Emma and Craig are leaving. I'm not a bent cop, I just do bent things, says Craig. <laughs> who's, just trying to help my girlfriend. Nobody cares. Yeah. John's like, I've already forgiven them. It's not a big deal. I'm not a murderer. I just killed that guy for my girlfriend. Cool motive. Still murder. Whose flat is this now, says Faye. <laughs> With Emma gone, Craig suggests that they go bowling. Faye isn't impressed, so they decide to try and knock her up good and proper this time, and Craig might even bring his own shoes, whatever that means. There's two references to bowling this week, isn't there? Because somebody talks about bowling in another storyline as well. Oh, did they? I think so. So the two of them can't be bothered to go and wave Emma off, and even Gemma, who hasn't been in the show all week, she shows up to say cheerio. Because Gemma is actually like a close friend friend of Emma's. Well, she used to be. When Chesney was on the scene. I don't think they're that close anymore. But Faye calls Emma her best friend, and I was like, really? Right. But then I stopped to think about it, and she's probably right. Faye has no friends. No. Because Seb's dead, and Emma's moving away, and those were her only friends. Step up, Craig. (laughs) Audrey, she's been getting drunk in the afternoon, and... (laughs) She stumbles out of the rovers and just so happens to see Emma. Oh, right. oh Emma in. love. Emma says her farewells and she and John get in the black cab that takes them away from Coronation Street and towards a whole host of immigration problems in Australia. And when they go, Steve and Faye make up. And that's as far as we get with that this week. Steve and Amy. What did I say? Faye. <laughs> I've got Faye written down. <laughs> Steve makes up with everyone. Yes. Particularly that's Amy. And that's it. Yeah, this was good fun this week. 
Yeah. <laughs> I laughed. I laughed quite a lot at, at Craig singing Shirley Bassey. Right, yeah. And when he says that you'll know me because... Uh, I'm I, I tone get, deaf. I, I get some I get some uh some media gigs and and he, he tours with the the Shirley Bassey tribute act called Shirley Not. That was funny. <laughs> that was funny. And I actually felt there were moments during this that Craig and Faye they seemed to have something that wasn't a million miles away from chemistry. It kinda lost it for me again at the end when he starts talking about knocking her up. Yeah, I felt that that was quite ridiculous. Here she is. She's kind of traumatized by the fact that she's not, in fact, pregnant. There may be something wrong with her bits, and all he wants to do is knock her up. Mm -hmm. Or go bowling. Those are the options. Right, yeah. (laughs) That was unfortunate. But up to that point, I thought, you know, this is... uh, Persistence is everything, and and maybe maybe it's finally breaking me down a little bit, because I, I wasn't... I wasn't watching it with one eyebrow raised like a like a normal. Really? Hero. Yeah. You you weren't watching it with one eyebrow raised with the whole. I Emma was quite, I was going quite enjoying Australia. them. Oh, that bit I was. That whole bit I was. But I'm talking about Faye and Craig here. Yeah, we could do a whole podcast on the the Emma going to Australia, but. Good luck to Alexandra Mardell. Whatever she chooses to do, I I expect great things from her. We will miss her desperately, but. I uh, the show was just didn't know what to do with her. I, I I'm keen to see how she does when she's not playing a kind of ditzy character. Yeah. When she's playing something a little bit more serious, I'm keen to see how she how she is in that. Yeah. The Hopefully, she doesn't get typecast. Right. The adjective that I thought of first and has stuck with me since mm-hmm. uh, throughout this week when we knew she was going at mm-hmm. the end of the week. We've known for a while that she's going yeah. to Australia, so this was. Not a surprise at no. all when situations contrive to have that happen. <coughs> but the one thing I thought about the whole thing was rushed. How rushed does this feel? Very. I mean, it feels like this is this is a reaction to something rather than something being planned to happen. Yeah. Because the way that she has met John, fallen in love with John, he d- decides that he's moving to Australia, she decides that she's going to go too. That whole thing has been done... Right. Seemingly in about half an hour of screen time. Right. Which doesn't feel like this was part of a long, no. long-term plan here. No. Which which would make sense because I think she she wasn't interested in signing right. on for another year. Another year because, and I think they would have wanted her to because she's a popular character. And she, she is. does provide that little bit of fun. But I think this has come as a bit of a shock to, <sighs> to the storyliners and the... And the producers. Yeah. Well, they should have. And it feels it. They should have written better stuff for her then. Yeah. Instead of, you know, here's Emma with her hand stuck in a vase. For two episodes. That, that, that crossed. <laughs> that crossed in it, two episodes. What's, what's it? Imagine, imagine being, I mean, I think she probably loved her time on the street. Right, general, yes. But imagine getting your script for one Friday episode where you find out that your character's got their hand stuck in a vase and then you get Monday's script and it's still stuck in the vase. It's like, and I mean, they could have done so much with that character, especially when she finds out that she's Steve's kid. You know? Because they barely, they barely did anything with her, you know, being a member of that family. Oh, do you think so? I think they did. I think she was, she was always invited around for things. I think right. her friendship with 
Amy has been great. Yeah. And I've liked the relationship that she has with Steve. I felt like she could have been more involved in the whole Amy drugged thing. Yeah. You know. That's true. Yeah, I'm, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's sad that her departure has had this rushed feel to it because I think she deserves a bit better than that. But I am pleased though that she got the proper black cab. Right, I was going to say, at least she got the black cab because not everybody has gotten the black cab. And there have been people that, you know, were supposed to get a proper send off and then just didn't. Yeah. And also Robert still hasn't been buried. <laughs> well, there is that. Oh well. Oh uh, well. Are we missing anything else about that? But that'll be the last that we've seen of John, I guess. Sure. Okay. <laughs> Kinda of feel bad for the guy, but that that character was just so dreadful. Yeah. And just so annoying. Yeah. Is that the character that, that Emma goes for? Well, she's gone for a lot of different things. He seems like the nicest, most decent guy. Nicest, you mean closest to her? Because that's what I think they've tried to do. Yes. Is just make a male version of Emma. Right, but still. Because opposites as, clearly as, repel. As, as he pointed out, he's not faking an illness. He's not a dick like David. That was his best line. That was his best line out of all yeah. his lines was, I'm not faking my death if that right. helps. And, you know, there does feel like a self-awareness there that we never got to really explore with that line. And Emma does say, he's he's like me. And Tracy says, uh-huh. thick as a brick. Yep. Yeah. And so what? Hopefully they have some business acumen, though. Yeah. Before they start breeding. And having a bar in Australia. All right, well, let's move on then to our next storyline is... Yes, because that seemed to take forever, didn't it? What's it all about? Alfie. On Monday, Leanne is visiting Toya, who is still struggling to come to terms with the events of last week. Poor Elsie and poor her and poor adoption being fucked. Leanne says that she doesn't know why Toya doesn't go for adoption on her own. That happens these days. Meanwhile, Imran has slept in the office, which I was quite pleased to see because I thought he was, yeah. he was still staying there. He gets a text from Toya saying that she's on her way over, so Imran gets the Febreze out. Toya turns up and Imran starts to apologise again, but Toya doesn't want to hear none of it. It's over. Then why are you here, he asks, rather abruptly considering the situation, I thought. She tells him about her plan to adopt Elsie on her own. So later, Toya meets Lou, apologises for the the situation the other day and pitches the idea of adopting Elsie. On her own. Sons Imran. Lou sucks a thoughtful tooth and explains that given the state of Toya's life right now with everything up in the air, it's probably not in Elsie's best interest, which is... Ah... Is it? I mean, I guess it feels very reactionary right now, but... Right. It's like she... She's settled. Right. She's settled. She has a place. Elsie has lived there for quite some time now. Is it really in Elsie's best interest to be ripped from this house mm-hmm. abruptly and lose both Toya and Imran? Yeah. I... This is not. This is not the only thing about social services this week that caused me to raise an eyebrow. Oh, well, this bit gets worse fairly, fairly soon. Yes. Somehow, Toya has managed to get into the hospital to see Alfie, and Abby is understandably shocked to see her there. Right. Well, Just she's, let anybody in to see babies now? Well, you know, she's she's in like the 
the observation area. She's not like inside. She's standing next to the incubator. No, she, there's a window between her and Was the it? incubator. Oh. Yes. So Toya gets herself some satisfaction pointing out to Abby that the idea of her carrying Imran's baby breaks her and now her chance to be a mum to Elsie has been taken from her too. Abby thought this would be her last chance to be a mum. Yeah, good luck with that, your fucking junkie, says Toya. And she calls Abby unfit. She should have left Abby to rot. Because obviously the one thing that I'm really disappointed in myself here is, well, one thing, is I'm losing your friendship. Right, yes. Yep. Abby doesn't rise to it, says Toya's a great pre- a great person and she should make it up with Imran. Uh-huh. Toya doesn't want Abby's sloppy seconds, thank you very much, and reckons the two of them could have kept a secret going for years. Right. Which and, is probably true. And Abby pointed out, it was a one-off. He's not my sloppy seconds. Mm-hmm. Back in the law office, Abby feels bad for ruining Toya's life, but she worries that Toya's going to be putting the kibosh on her custody case. Imran assures Abby that Toya isn't spiteful, she's just upset and she has a right to be. Yeah. Back home, Toya explains to Elsie that Imran won't be back and she'll be moving on to a forever family soon. And this is a thing to finally wipe the smile off Elsie's face. No. No Imran? No Imran. Because Soft play. <laughs> I thought Adam would come to my birthday party. Uh the fact the fact Elsie didn't say soft play. <laughs> The fact that these adults are like sitting down and talking to this poor child like she's an adult. Because mm-hmm. Imran does the same thing a little later on. It's just, it's like, come on, guys. You don't. <laughs> I think they've, they've kind of given Imran the most contact with Elsie. Because he calls her his little monster. Uh-huh. Which is adorable. Right. So it feels like out of the two of them, she's probably got more. She's probably got more feeling for Imran than she has for Toya. Does she? Mm. It's from what we've seen. Well, you know. I know that that's if, just if, there to if, make this right. harder, right? If, if Toya would just, you know, break out the Lady Gaga CDs every once in a while, then like, then Toya, then Elsie could be her little monster as well. Yeah. Take a note. Yes. So Wednesday at the flat, Leanne is visiting Toya again, which is nice. It is nice. It, it I like seeing the two of them together. It's been so long. Yeah. Their buzzer goes and it's social worker Louie want a word. Later, a sheepish Imran meets up with Toya at Nina's Rolls and she explains that Louie was there to tell her that because her life is so fucked up right now, she's not even allowed to continue fostering Elsie and she'll be rehomed ASAP. Which is ridiculous. That's ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous. And also, is this when she... Oh, come round late, later, read her a story and say goodbye, Toya says. Uh, be there at... Come round at two, be gone by 2.15 or whatever. Right. And also... By the way, Lou has reported you to the big legal reporting panel, so chin up, Imran. At least you've still got Alfie. What? Why? What is she? What is she reporting on? He has not done anything to Elsie. Nope. And as far as I know, having a one night stand is not illegal. No, but what Imran had explained last week was how does social services know that though and how would that be any of social services business because that has nothing to do with elsie no that's true that's absolutely true and how would they know how did how did social services find out that he was representing abby even though elsie was his son they don't know that i don't think it came out of the conversation did it there's no reason why they would know that no and that's none of their business correct to report him to social services for anything or social services to report him to the to the board 
or whatever it's called in the UK. I believe the correct term is big legal reporting panel. <laughs> that's that's in my notes. That sounds very austere. <laughs> right. So Imran goes to see Elsie, but it really is just a chance for Toya to get a few more kicks in. So she tells him to hurry up and say goodbye to Elsie, who thanks to Imran's cock and balls will be pushed back into the system. Cheerio, Elsie, says Imran. I hope you find happiness. And then he leaves. And with nowhere else <laughs> again, to go... and again... Cheerio, three-year-old child. Yep. I hope you find happiness in your life. We've had some good times, but like all good times, sadly, they, they have to come to an end. Yes, three-year-old I child. Bid, I am forced now to bid you a fond adieu. It's like saying... But know, Elsie, that you will be living in my heart. Thenceforth. It's like somebody making this speech to a dog. For peanut. You know, which I understand that there's a difference between human children and dogs, but still... As far as Elsie's wee little brain is concerned, it's just, it's just words. It's yeah. just alphabet soup. Yep. She's just sitting there looking up saying, he's got nice eyes. Right. And can you please stop talking so I can finish colouring my picture? Right. With nowhere else to go, Inman goes to see Alfie. He tells Abby about his shitty day. It's over with Toya. His chances, his choices have destroyed his relationship. And now all he's got is to help Abby fight for Alfie. It's all either of them have left. Well, speak for yourself, says Abby. <laughs> That's as far as we get with that this week. Kind of Toya being mean. Well, Man. is she being mean? Hey. Because I'm conflicted. Cause I'm She's st- being honest. But, you know, you typically... And and I know, I know from classic Corey that Toya hasn't always been... You know, the happy, sunshiny, moon child therapist lady. No, she's miserable at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) So, but... (laughs) On classic Corey. Right, yeah. But to see this this total 180 and how harsh she is with her judgment of Abby and not sugarcoating it at all. And, I mean, she she absolutely has a right to all of this. And at least it's not Leanne who probably would have punched... Abby in the face by now. Yeah, Abby. Uh, Leanne is is not happy with Imran, definitely. No. Um, it's just, it, it is kind of shocking to hear because we're so used to Toya being the kinder, gentler Toya it's, at this point. If you get on Toya's wrong side, yeah. you're fucked. Yeah. I also didn't appreciate <sighs> Imran, you know, saying as if to a relationship with Abby when when Toya said something about it like oh gross it's <laughs> like you you guys do understand she's like a human being right and well not Imran's type perhaps but that... well obviously a little bit Imran's type well, at Im- least once well at least a drunken Imran's type Right, but we can't just blame beer goggles for this, can we? I think that's what we're doing is blaming beer because goggles. Because even before he got drunk, you know, when he was sitting with her in the in the garden and everything, he was very empathetic and very kind to, to her. He was, but I don't, I don't think he fancied her. No, no, not necessarily. But even then, we were like, uh-oh, what's going on here? Oh, I don't think I was, was I? We were, yes. Mm, we were, I don't remember that. I mean, we were kind of I'm focused, more focused on the red herring of Sabine, but... I'm okay with... Toya getting torn into Imran. And there's part of me, because I'm a man, thinking, oof, you're a bit, you're going to be a bit crazy here. All he did was knock somebody else up, right? <laughs> and then lie about it. Cool your jets, Toya. 
No, I think I think she's well within the rights to I think to be as nasty to him as she likes. But what's getting me is when she's calling Abby to her face scum, right? And calling and her a like, junkie. A, 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 like a useless junkie, and you're you're going to be back on the muck as soon as you get a fucking right. chance with this with kid. And I hope it goes into the it gets adopted as soon as possible. Right. That feels to me a little a little more than was necessary, and out of character for Toya. I feel like. If Toya was a woman who was capable of conceiving and carrying a child herself, mm-hmm. this would not have hurt her as much as it did. Sure. Because not only is it kind... It, they're not intentionally rubbing it in her face that her partner is able to conceive with another woman. That's but it is rubbing, but but it is rubbing it in her face. You know, they're not doing it intentionally, but just because it exists, yes. it's in her face. Correct. And also because of all of this, she no longer has this chance. Yeah, to adopt. Been taken away from you know, everything's well. been taken away from her. Right now, she should be a little bit mad at herself that she exploded at that meeting about all of this because if she had done it privately mm-hmm. it would not be an issue right. with social services because social services wouldn't know right. because families break up all the time yep. so a part of that is her responsibility and also everybody should still be mad at Kev who is the one <laughs> who you know took his little camera out and took a picture and not and sent the microphone sent it to Toya to the, the, the dead drop box right no, the bit that gets me with uh, with Toya is if she can turn and she can start using that kind of language towards Abby, then that side of Toya is always there. So when she's been empathetic and understanding has been therapist Toya, mm-hmm. kind of means to me that there's a part of Toya in the background that's right. thinking all these negative things and these horrible, judgmental, right. yeah. uh, you're, you're a loser, you're a slut, you're a... And let's not forget, even before she knew about Alfie, she was saying to Imran, well, maybe her not, maybe her having her parental rights taken away is the best thing for everybody. She was already thinking that while she's helping her. So, but yeah, it, it makes her, in my mind, it makes her even more kind of dangerous than people like Tracy who just says exactly what's on her mind. Yeah, what's going on under the surface. That's, right. that's exactly and what And doesn't hold there. back. Right. Let's move on into our next storyline, which is the Roy's Gambit. On Monday in Devs, Nick is trying to sell Sam on the Space Camp Holiday Club thing. Oh no, it's a new one. It's not Space Camp. It's just the Holiday Club oh, okay. with, you know, regular kids doing origami. Sam would still rather play chess, but Nick says he gets too angry when he loses. So furious, Sam storms out the <laughs> shop and slams the door. Nick goes to see Roy and for the second episode in a row accuses someone of playing chess behind his back. Again, he blames this on Sam's behaviour when he loses, but Roy points out that he's got much better in that regard lately and he's shown a lot of growth. Chess is shite, says Nick. Roy thinks that rather than being shite, it's an outlet for the lad's grief and Nick is astounded by this. Do you think so? Right, yes. <laughs> After Leanne has basically said the same thing to him and he has poo-pooed it. Right. After Gail has said the same thing to him and he's poo-pooed it. Once another person with a penis tells him this, he well, Roy. finally... Well, does Roy have a penis or not, Gav? I, I does Roy have a penis I, or not? I don't think of him as having a penis, no. I feel I think of him as being a kind of action man. <laughs> not like that. Like an angel. 
Yeah, sure. What an action one. Right, because angels have no genitalia. That's something we learned in Dogma. Remember Dogma? The Kevin not, Smith movie. Not that much. <laughs> Nick points out that Sam has gone off space. That's, that's, the lines that are coming out of Nick's mouth at the moment are just... He's gone off space. He's gone off space! He likes cramp now. <laughs> Roy says that just because chess is new, that's why he's gone off things that he used to like. Mm-hmm. Nick wonders if maybe he Which should... Which is nu- what we said last week. Nick wonders if maybe he should nurture Sam's interests. Yeah, maybe, says Roy. Yeah, that's maybe a good idea. And he says there's a kids tournament tomorrow. I could take him, says Nick. You're his dad, says Roy. Nick goes to see Sam at Granny Gales, apologises for stopping him playing chess. He has his full support now. He's done a complete 180. And also, Roy's mentioned a chess tournament tomorrow that he'd like to take him to. That's great, says Sam. But seeing as yesterday, you couldn't give a fuck whether I played chess ever again. No offence, but I'd rather go with Roy. So Nick bursts into tears and runs away. <laughs> On Wednesday at Nina's Rolls, it seems that the chess tournament has been moved to the bistro because they have a set for the bistro. Right, yes, there's a burst pipe at the place where the... <laughs> Weatherfield plumbing is just exploding. <laughs> you can't walk down the street without geysers of water just bursting out, of, <laughs> bursting out of the ground at random. Right. With that in mind, Nick only has to cry a little bit to get Sam to agree to him chaperoning him rather than Roy. Just don't fucking talk to me, says Sam. <laughs> so the tournament is underway. You're through to the semi-finals, says Nick helpfully. I know, says <laughs> Sam. You're like Roy, says Nick. Cheers, says Sam, and he goes off to play his match. I love you, says Nick. I told you to keep your fucking mouth shut, says Sam. <laughs> Nick's chatting to the mother of the kid Sam playing and tells him that the kid they'll be playing in the final has less empathy than a shark and is known as the smiling assassin. Right, yes. The and kid he's playing, played by his real-life actual brother yeah, with headphones in, on. We covered this in Corey News. Listening to a mindfulness app before just, he starts. Just at that. Sam wins. Because Hurrah. the show really wants to reinforce that kids who play chess are weird. <laughs> Sam wins. Hurrah! Huzzah! You're through to the final, which is tomorrow, announces Nick for anyone who isn't paying attention. Is this not talking to me? Says Sam. <laughs> and he tries to shake the kid's hand and the kid runs away. Yeah. And so Sam's like, oh, that's how this feels. <laughs> On Friday. <laughs> exactly. On Friday, Nick has set up the bistro for the final, fretting about like a hen on a hot girdle, so much so that he's closed the bistro and set up an exclusion zone around it, much to Debbie's dismay. Right, and also David's later on, right. who wants to book a table for no some can, reason. No can do. Sam and Leanne arrive ahead of the final. He's making a fuss with fancy food, but Sam just wants tea and toast. It's his pre-match routine. Nick hides his tears in a brioche, telling <laughs> Sam his opponent is just okay and not a silent assassin at all. No. He turns down brioche and mango juice mm-hmm. for toasted tea because he's the most English child in the world. Do you know, toasted tea sounds good though, doesn't it? It does. I Sam- might make some right after this. Sam's opponent and her dad come in late to the bistro as Nick is telling Sam that Natasha would be proud of him if she hadn't got in the way of plot. Young Sam seems quite taken with his female opponent. Go easy on her, says her dad. I says Sam. <laughs> Sam loses the chess match and runs off without shaking hands. Has he learnt nothing? A solitary tear rolls down Nick's cheek and drops with a plop into his mango juice. Sam has locked himself in the shitter. Nick tells Leanne that the tournament was a disaster because Sam lost to a girl. (laughs) And Leanne says, oh, very enlightened of you, Nicholas. Bollocks to that, says Leanne, and goes to make some hot chocolate. So Sam comes out just as a dad and Jelena, I think her name is. Yes, Jelena. 
the chess girl, come back. The dad says that Jolina doesn't have many friends and asks if Sam and her can play chess with each other again sometime. Sam hides behind his menu, but manages to give Jolina a smile and a flash of those baby blues. Oh, Jolina has some baby blues of her own, Mm -hmm. though. And she smiles back at him. Oh, yeah. So this is how we know it's going to be okay. (laughs) Sam retreats back to the office, and Nick thinks it's all about him. He's done something wrong to make Sam react like this. But really, (laughs) Sam is chatting to Hope on the walkie-talkies about Jolina. Sounds like you got it bad, son, says Hope. (laughs) And that's as far as we get with that this week. I, I think our our favourite doom and gloom reporter has speculated already that Hope is going to murder Jelena for, for Sam's affections. No way, really? Or something like that. No. Yes. Seriously? Yes. Bloody. <laughs> Charlie Milward. <laughs> Off the Express Online. I don't think anyone trusts him enough to put his words in print. So he's just online. I just say just I don't mean that badly, but. He has a history of just waking, the most outlandish. waking up in the morning deciding that character A is going to kill character B and coming up right. with a theory to make it sound reasonably kind of plausible-ish. Yes, this is not the only ridiculous thing that he's written this week about something that happens this week, right. as we will talk about later. Right. I like this. Me too. I liked... Uh, Sam having a week crush, that's so cute. Yeah, because that's basically all that really happens, is it? Everything else is kind of leading up to right, the fact yeah. that that he and Jelena have a little hide behind the, the menu kind of thing. Yeah, it's adorable. Kids in love. So cute. Yep. Like, yeah, remember nice. Macaulay Culkin in that movie? Oh, again with Macaulay Culkin. Of course he dies in that. Spoiler alert. And I never trusted another oh. bee. It's, it's a lovely little story. <laughs> it is a lovely little story. Nick's seemingly taken a huge amount of time to realise what's blatantly obvious in front right. of him. He had to wait for a man to tell him this. Right. So... And David wasn't going to do it. Do you think there's a, a bigger story coming up here about Nick's obvious misogyny? <laughs> I hope that it becomes something because you're right, he hasn't listened to anybody until he listens to Roy. Right. And then the tournament's a disaster. Oh, oh he, he lost to a girl. Yuck, the yuck, tournament's yuck. a disaster, not because Sam lost, but because Sam lost to a girl. Right. Cause he- Holy shit, really? <laughs> Well, you know, I can kind of understand a man of Nick's age thinking that. My age? He's slightly older than you. He's already 50. Is he? Yeah. Because they did like, the uh, during the whole Oscar thing on Sofa Cinema oh, yeah. Club, they were yeah. talking about the... the I just want the, to stop crying, the, basically. <laughs> but yeah, it would be interesting to... That would be an interesting storyline that I would like to see. The fact that Nick is a misogynist. Yeah, yeah, I'd love that. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on then, our next storyline is Fizz on the move. They'll never do it. On Monday, Fizz and Phil are packing. Yay! Not, not guns, a moving van. <laughs> a passing, but maybe guns. A passing Tyrone rakes through the van and is caught by Evelyn and then Fizz. He says he's just surprised that she's packing so soon. Fizz has to nip off to take a present to Ruby or some shite, so she leaves Tyrone to keep guard of the van. It's fine, I don't have any work to go to. It's, it's, it's great. <laughs> and Evelyn leaves... It clearly traumatised Cerberus with him as well. That poor dog. His tail was between his oh, legs yeah, was, and yep. his thighs were shivering. Like he was absolutely terrified of Tyrone. So Tyrone continues to rake poor through Fizzy's dog. boxes and finds some of his stuff. Even senses that Ty is taking this quite hard but tells him not to make it harder for anyone and man up. So Tyrone gets the wrong end of the stick here and decides that before Fizz gets back, he's going to finish doing her packing for her. Right, yes. But Shh. but take his, you know, world's best farter yes. and 
you know, hot dad barbecue apron. Yes, all that him. comes back. Right. She's shocked, claiming that he can't wait to get rid of her and the kids and that he's taken this so much better than she is. Later, Fizz and Tyrone meet up in Nina's roles and she apologises for her reaction. It's all happening so fast, she says, and she's worried she's not doing the right thing, but she expects that box of knickers to be returned before the end of the day, Tyrone. Fizz is worried that she's going to drift apart from everyone, including him. Tyrone obviously has lots to say on this, but instead remembers his grandmother's words and tells her that she deserves to be happy and she's doing the right thing by moving. Now... Let's all remember, she's moving maybe two miles up the road. Yeah. Two miles. I don't know. If your kids are literally just across the street from you for their entire life and they're suddenly two miles away, that's feels like the end two of the Two miles. Earth. It does not feel like the end of the earth. That's like from here to the edge of town. You can still get there. You can still get there in less than five minutes. Mm-hmm. Everyone know. is being ridiculous about this know. story. I just They're making it somebody getting a little bit upset when a certain somebody moved to a certain other bit of town. That's all I'm saying. So anyway, Phil shuts up the van. They're ready to go. Elon digs Tyrone This is the not ribs, Tyrone's son. Reminding him to smile and he cheerily tells... No, it's his daughter. And cheerily tells... This tell, is Tyrone's daughter. Ruby. <laughs> I said Fizz. Ruby is his daughter. This is true. But let's all remember that the whole reason why Tyrone isn't living with him anymore was his own fault. Yeah, but he doesn't think that anymore, clearly. (laughs) They're ready to go. Evelyn digs Tyrone in the ribs, reminding him to smile, and he cheerily cheerily tells the girls to take care. He's going to miss them. Evelyn congratulates him on doing a great job as his old family and Phil with two L's drive off. And after they're gone, old man Tyrone has grabbed his stuff from the young crew flat and moved back in with Evelyn at number nine, who is pleased to see him because the sink's blocked. Now, see, this does bode a question here, doesn't it? Who owns that flat? Tyrone owns that flat. That, that he, did they, he buy it? Yeah, he bought it. He bought it. So that's his flat. He and, he and, Alina, he and Alina own it. Bought it from... Debbie. Debbie. Although I thought Emma was going to buy it first, but Emma's out of the picture, so it doesn't really matter. So does that mean that... Faye and Craig are going to have to pay rent to Tyrone. And then once number nine does eventually sell, Tyrone and Evelyn are going to move in and kick Craig and Faye out. Or, because remember, or, or is this never going to get mentioned? Because remember, Faye and Craig said that they couldn't afford a flat of their own. And that's why they moved into the young person's flat. Yeah, with Tyrone. With Tyrone and Emma. But now they don't have Emma and Tyrone's income coming in. It's just the two of them. And they're trying for a baby? Right. And they have to pay rent to Tyrone? Great. <laughs> None of this is ever getting mentioned again. No. On Wednesday at the factory, Fizz, Beth and Kirk are chatting about Fizz's fancy new house and how Tyrone has taken everything well. Beth thinks this is for the best. At least he's not in bits. And then Tyrone is in the pub in his Michigan State shirt. Woohoo! Chatting with Kev. In comes Fizz and Ty asks how the girls got on in their new house. Apparently they were way too excited to sleep. And they decided that they're going to share a room, at least for the time being. This thing's Ty, and he nips off for a shite, which allows Kev to tell Fizz that Tyrone's easygoing good guy performance here is just for her. And he's absolutely gutted that he's lost Fizz and the girls to fill with two L's. Because Kev thinks it's his responsibility to ruin the lives of every woman on the street. (laughs) Every woman he's got to make feel like shit on the street. Fizz goes to see Tyrone at the garage with a cream horn. 
Nice. But not like that. She tells him she knows it's not easy for him with the girls moving away. She asks him to be honest. And so he tells her that number nine feels so empty without her and the girls in it. There was comfort in being close to them and they arranged to meet for a drink later. So in the pub, Tyrone. He's acting like they're never going to come back to number nine. Allow him to be sad. Why are you so against him being sad? It's. I don't it's fine mind to you. It. It's I fine don't... to you. It's not fine to him. He's sad about this. I Why don't... are you outraged about him being sad? Because they're getting a, their own rooms and a bigger house and a, a, a garden and a better life. Be happy for them. How's it going to a better life? Because it's a bigger house. Just because Phil's got going two away, in his name. And they're going away from all the, all the you know, congestion on the street. Let's remember. And they don't have to depend upon the Red Wreck for their recreational purposes. Or if they need to find a gun. Right, right. Or drugs. In the pub, Tyrone talks about the noise the house used to do his head in, and now it seems too quiet. He used to hide in the toilet, apparently, which sounds like Tyrone. He doesn't want to be a weekend dad. He doesn't want to be forgotten. He doesn't want to not know their friends' names. Fist tells him that he'll always be number one dad. (laughs) And that's... And that's as far as we get without this. Right, and she which also means says, that Phil is number two dad, which makes me, with makes two me L's. giggle. Well, it's like you're number two dad. That means I'm shit. <laughs> well, fair enough. Although in many ways, well, we're not going to get into that. Nope. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and Fizz makes a point to say, well, I'll, I'll let them know the next time that they're staying with you to be as loud and noisy as possible. Yeah. She does get, you know... And it's just, it just, it feels like, and I mean, this is not just a Tyrone thing. This is a thing that happens all the time on this show. People acting like another town in the same country is them moving to the other side of the world and they'll never see one another again. You just don't get UK in distance at all. It's true. You don't get it. It's true. And that is a fair point. But still, it's like two miles up the road in the same town. When for their entire life, for their entire life, they've either lived in the same house or just across the street. Yeah, but again. But uh, it's remarkable how you don't get that. He thought with his dick and moving out of that house in the first place. And it's not like. across the street. It's not like they can't jump on the tram and You just don't get it. You just don't get it. It's just ridiculous. No, I understand because, like, you thought it was going to Africa to go from your house, your your place in Sterling, and go to Glasgow. I didn't go, and it's half an hour away. I didn't go because it was two o'clock in the afternoon. It's <laughs> right. too far away. Yeah, you don't think that way anymore now that you live here in no, this big, exactly. massive country. Exactly. So it's huge. I, ha- I have the wealth of knowledge of both, <laughs> and I think it's it's okay for Tyrone to feel a little bit sad about this. Yeah, but. I'm just glad that Fizz isn't going out of it. Right, yeah. Because she's still going to be working in the factory. The girls are still going to go to Bessie Street. He's still going to be picking them up from school every day. You know, and I guess that's the thing that kind of... I understand being sad, but so much of this is Tyrone's fault in the first place. But he knows this and he says this. He recognises this. He says to Fizz, none of this is your fault. Right, but... Just his reaction, and actually, you know, Kev being a shitbag, is trying to put all this blame on Fizz, and it's, that shouldn't be happening, because this is Fizz 
giving the girls a better life. The only good thing to come out of this is that the chances of anyone on the street being killed by Hope have dropped <laughs> slightly since she's moved two miles away. Right. Except, of course, in this love triangle that apparently she's going to be in with Sam and Jamila. Okay. We've got a couple of really short stories to get through before we get to the main story, I guess, of the week. Yes. The first one is revision, 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 Oxford, revision, revision. Diabetes. On Monday. Diabetes. <laughs> Billy gets home from the cop and starts quizzing somewhere about her comments from last week about her weight. She's you, know instantly... how he, you know how we know that he's just come home from the co-op? Because he's, Cause he's got houses. a big, massive co-op bag, which he puts Holds up very prominently <laughs> on the island so that you can clearly read co-op on it. The, the, the coat bag briefly goes out of focus and then the camera's on it sharp again. <laughs> she instantly gets on the defensive and tells him that she doesn't have an eat disorder and then she says revision a million times. Someone has arranged a practice mock. So it's a mock of the mock. The mock is a practice exam. During holidays. This is a practice, practice exam. During holidays. And ahead of that, she goes into Debs and says, revision another three or four million times and worries that going out last Friday might be the difference between getting the grade that she needs to get into Oxford and ending up homeless. Addie notices something is up and when Summer leaves, presumably to do some more revision, Asha tells him about Summer not taking care of her diabetes properly. Diabetes. So Addie gets Summer to come back round and after checking that they're still mates and... Uh, he's allowed to say things to, to mates uh-huh. then And she can't be upset about it He says that she's worried that Summer isn't taking he's care worried. of herself Or monitoring her blood sugar when she's on the booze And Summer reacts badly And demands that everyone gets off her fucking back Revision, she shouts Get all the way off. off her back and That's as far as we get with that this week Wow, 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 wow. wow. So <sighs> I Summer's just... quite annoying <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's my takeaway I from think that. you're right what you said last week, I think maybe she isn't as bright as she lets on. Mm-hmm. Because who needs to revise this much? Right? Just, who needs I've, to revise this much? I'm just... Uh, I mean... If, if you know your stuff, then all you're doing is refreshing your memory. Right. And you don't need to do that. And it's probably bad to do that. Yeah, because you're, you're, you're obviously burn out. worried about it far too much. Right. Yeah. Nobody else is worried. Nobody else gives a shit. No. no. So, yeah. I, Summer's annoying. Right. TLDR. Right. And she is obviously still worried about her weight and yeah, still the, not taking care of her diabetes. Correct. So expect her to be in the hospital again sometime soon. Penultimate storyline. Just a few scenes from Sex Cardigan Rides again. <laughs> On Friday, Daniel and Daisy are heading off to a museum. To thank her, Daniel agrees to go camping with her from Daisy promises to get a double sleeping bag with a special travel cardigan. Back from the museum, Daisy doesn't seem to have enjoyed herself quite as much as Daniel. Then in comes Nikki. They're all pots. Who announces that she got that TA job after all and has tons of questions for Daniel that he is happy to to field. So while he's doing that, Daisy bitches to Jenny about Daniel and Nikki working together now that she's back. They'll definitely bang, says Jenny. And they're definitely buying if you play the jealous girlfriend card. Daisy is sure Again. that Nikki is hiding something. Who isn't? Says Jenny. <laughs> right. Have you have you seen the show? Have you seen the show? Have Do you, you read live your on lines? the street? So, right because Daisy, because Daisy still doesn't know that Nikki used to be a sex worker. Correct. Right. That's the big so secret. that's the thing that she's hiding. Mm-hmm. Not that she still has feelings for. Daniel, but she may still have feelings for Daniel. Who knows? So Nikki and Daisy share a kind of 
uncomfortable look across the bar at each other while Daniel drones on about how to deal with sexual <laughs> sexual impropriety allegations. And that's as far as we get with that this week. Nothing really <sighs> happens. Any thoughts on that? I really don't have anything much to say about it. I'm I'm just concerned that Nikki's going to lose her job when the Again. school finds out that she used to be a sex worker. Right. After Daisy finds out that she used to be a sex worker. Oh, yeah. And she tells the school about the fact that Nikki used to be a sex worker. Right. Although apparently, and this is probably not true, so I don't mind sharing it here. There's speculation that Mrs. Crawshaw is going to make a pass at Daniel because apparently... Is this Charlie again? <laughs> This Charlie Millward. Because <laughs> apparently Daniel is God's gift to women. <sighs> Our I'm final so storyline this morning is I think for the last time, Gary's creamy chicken soup with croutons. Well, at least this week I didn't watch, you know, a show where somebody boils someone else's head in a pot. So it's fine. Okay. Because remember well, last week I watched Des. And that's why I went, ah, don't, oh, don't talk about that. The His tapes from prison are on Netflix. Netflix yeah. Have you seen any of it? I haven't seen that yet, no. Chilling. On Wednesday, in the Rolls Gold flat, Marie and Gary are trying to get Kelly to go see her mum, but Kelly's having none of it and refuses to show anything other than hatred and anger whenever Laura's name is mentioned. And this becomes a bit of a theme for this week. Yes. She leaves as Gary gets a call requesting his presence at prison hospital. Who could that be? At the hospital, Laura reveals that her liver is packing in and she's having a bad hair day. The prognosis isn't looking too peachy. They had to pump fluids from her stomach. She reflects a little bit on her a life abdomen. poorly led, especially as Gary is the one that she has to reach out to. She asks to see a photo of Kelly, which Gary is able to produce, and seeing her with Liam gives Laura some comfort. Oh, she always wanted a brother. And it's a black and white photo. It's quite grainy. For moody. It's a moody <laughs> photograph. Through a filter. The kids these days, right? It's kids these days. It's Gary's phone. Gary took that picture. Kids these days, it's right? It's such a bad photo that supposedly came from a phone. Yeah. So bad. Anyway. I was quite pleased with my little... Your little wordle joke, yes. That was delightful. Joke. Delightful. But, you know... These bathrooms don't clean themselves, Gavin Broom. <laughs> Every time you mention that, I say, not doing it this week. Simon bumps into Kelly, checking after Laura. Kelly doesn't care. You don't have to put on a brave face for me, says Simon. If I wanted to open up to anyone, it wouldn't be you, she says. You are never getting your hole. Oh, pig's tits, says Simon. <laughs> Later, Gary speaks with the doctor and learns that Laura is being moved to the local hospice. She has mere days to live. Hmm. I know that it's drama and right. doctors don't say things like that. She's got days to live. They don't. They don't because... You never know. It could be weeks, it could be months. Back at the furniture thing, Gary tells Maria that Laura has days to live. He's found a silver photo frame to put a picture of Kelly in and a CD player to take into her. They're going to need to tell Kelly, says Maria. And Laura likes Cher. Yeah. Back at the Rolls Gold flat, Kelly comes home with new clothes for her award ceremony thing that's happening soon. Maria is surprised that she's not going to see Laura, but Kelly points out all the times that Laura wasn't there for her. She's done with talking and wishes Laura would hurry up and die. About that, says Maria. She's getting moved to hospice. She's got days, says Gary. And Kelly's moved a little bit, but appears unmoved and goes off to her room. Later, Gary tries to have a word with Kelly about how she'll regret not going to see her dying mum. She wants to make peace. Kelly is grateful to Gary and Maria, but asks that they never mention Laura to her again. 
and later with Maria, Gary says if Kelly doesn't say goodbye to Laura, he'll never forgive himself. It's him she should be directing her hatred at. Oofed. On Friday, Gary has got some Kelly-related merch together for Laura, and he and Maria try again to talk her into going to the hospital, but Kelly only has interest in going to her award ceremony. She wants to forget her mum, and she's not going to change her mind. No. All done up, Maria and Kelly go to the Rovers for a pre-awards orange juice, but then Gary comes in and harshes the vibe by once again trying to get Kelly to go to the hospital. It seems that Laura has taken a turn and now has mere hours to live. I don't fucking care, says Kelly. And she and Maria head off to the wards. Right. Sons orange juice. Right. And now, Jenny's what, like holding these orange juices. What we're meant to do with these. I've got a double barrel orange juice mm-hmm. here. And then she starts drinking them. Yeah, fuck it. <laughs> the wards thing has been held at the Rape Hotel conference room and Kelly is getting wired into the vino like Audrey did a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Maria thinks <laughs> that she's covering up her feelings about Laura. So once again, Kelly has to ask not to talk about it. Sadly, no one will be getting hit in the head with a bouquet this year. <laughs> and nobody will be saying Audrey out and then dropping the mic. <laughs> Kelly grabs another bottle of vino, wanders off just wanting to forget. Gary goes to see Laura. The nurse tells him that she could pop her clogs at any second. So maybe just say bye rather than goodbye just to be on the safe side. Right. Yeah. They can't move her to hospice now because it's... it's yeah. She's going to die in transit. Yeah. Right. Laura wakes from her death throes to beg Gary to get her little girl to see her. Sorry, says Gary. She's at the awards thing at the Rape Hotel and she won't come to see you. I don't want to die alone, says Laura. Don't worry, I'm here, says Gary. And at least, you know, at least someone has come round to do her eyebrows every single day. So at least the hospital has their priorities straight. Right. Someone's on eyebrow detail. Somebody is on eyebrow detail every single day. You know, she looks so washed out. Nobody's put any lippy on her or anything, but someone has done them eyebrows. <laughs> Kelly has won the award for best homeless haircut of the year ever. She wants to get hammered in the champers, but Maria warns her to cock Annie. She has an interview to give later and it's going to be on social media. Then a homosexual barber with a salon in the northern quarter offers her some of his champers and invites her to come to his salon for some proper training. Ooh la la. What? <laughs> Coronation Street and their homosexuals, I tell you. Good facial hair on this guy. Yes. What other awards are there at this ceremony, asks Kelly. Oh, lots, says Maria. Kelly goes off to get leathered. Maria chasing after her, ignoring her ringing phone that's in her bag. That We had an inside bag <laughs> shot know. of Gary. <laughs> coming up and the phone's ringing. Kelly's ready to get interviewed when Gary comes in to play the Your Mum Is Dying record once more. She's properly nearly dead now. Kelly still isn't interested and goes off to get interviewed, thanking Maria and Gary and telling everyone how much her mum and dad suck donkey balls and how glad she is that she's going to be an orphan soon. She gets a polite round of applause. (laughs) Gary pulls her off. But not like that. Kelly says, if you care so much, go and see your own mum. And she storms off. (laughs) Back at the community garden, Simon puts in some more hours trying to get into Kelly's pants. She lets her guard down and admits how upset she is about her mum, even though she killed... Or dad. Ooh, says Simon. New information. How is that new information? Wasn't that in the paper? I don't think so. Back at the Rose Gold Flat. Yeah, that wasn't in the paper, but Sally taking a piss in public, that was in the paper. Back at the Rose Gold Flat, Gary is <laughs> Abby abandoning her baby. That was in the paper. An actual bona fide murderer? Yeah, not so much. The location the of it, the body being found was. Uh-huh. Back in the Rose Gold Flat, Gary's losing his faith in the plan again. Maria once again has to be the voice of reason. This is Laura's choosing, remember? 
Gary sounds like he's going to come clean and he leaves telling Maria to go and deal with Laura. Whatever that means. <laughs> and, and Maria again. says, what does that mean? <laughs> Kelly thinks this would be easier if she did hate Laura. The truth is, she's too scared to go and see her because she doesn't know what she's going to look like and she doesn't know if she can handle it. Yeah. And although she will never forgive her, she's going to miss her. You can feel more than one thing at a time, says Simon. Mm-hmm. Still trying like a bear. Mm-hmm. And if you want to feel anything, love. <clears throat> so Maria goes to see Laura. Laura thinks it's Kelly. No, it's Maria, says Maria. Oh, says Laura. Maria thanks Laura for what she's done and calls her a good woman for everything that she's done for all of them. Mm-hmm. And she promises to stay with her until Kelly gets there. Yeah, Gary said that, says Laura. <laughs> Gary finally finds Kelly and he's about to confess to her that actually mm-hmm. I'm the one that killed your dad when she announces that she wants to go and say goodbye to Laura after all. Yes. Whew. So they rush to the hospital, but Maria's just stepping out of the room in tears. It's too late. Laura's dead. <sighs> Kelly goes in to see her, crying over her body, hugging her for a little bit longer than is comfortable to watch. And that is how we end yeah, this she, week's episode. She crawls episodes. up on the bed with her and just puts her arms around her and it's just... Oh God! It was all very heart-shaped box video. It's so the sad. Little, little, mm. What do you call that? Top down, top down shot on the bed where mm. Kelly curled up there, crying her wee heart out. Oh! And that's how we end this week's episodes. Oh! So I'm so devastated that they didn't give her a chance to say goodbye. They were never going to the way that this was going. They were never going uh. to give her goodbye, give her a chance because she was, I don't know how many times. She was told, you need to come and see your mum, mm-hmm. and she knocked it back. Yeah. And what I really hope is that this is not an excuse for Kelly to go back on the drugs or the drink. Hit the bottle, like people do when something traumatic <laughs> happens, the first thing that they, they do is do well, something that's bad for them. Well, she does admit to Simon that champagne that the champagne was a bad idea. Right. So I'm hoping that that means... And she ha- does have a very settled life with Maria... And Gary, she has this job. She's gotten this award. She's got support that she didn't have before. It's a fancy award. Is it? Yeah, I'm quite impressed by it. Hmm. I'd love an award like that. <laughs> Sadly, my homeless haircuts aren't, aren't up to muster. I'd, oh give, them, I'd give them all fringes. <laughs> and then kill them. Oh, don't know where that came from. I don't either. Anyway, yeah, it's again just killing it with the storyline. This, this, and the this and the um, and the Alfie storyline, honestly, just have been saving the show for me. Yeah, lately. I think they've done. I mean, I, I think this week was a little bit repetitive with uh, Laura the Chin and Kelly the Chin being. Except, just going through the same thing over and over again. The number except was only, this time it has an award show and it has Laura actually dying. But that award show could have been anything. It could have been any reason not to not to be at the at the hospital. And then obviously the once you realise what you need to do, you discover that it's too late. Yeah. Which is the, the way of the world. And and Gary and once again, you know, on the cusp of admitting his guilt. Maria, and once again, having to be the one to keep this shit together and keep right. this ship sailing. Right. So that's that kind of buried for a little while yeah. longer. Charlie, the weird writer guy, seems to think that Maria murdered Laura. 
Yeah. Who has already died. Who had moments to live. <laughs> Just put the pillow over my head, love. It's all right. What I was surprised about was that Maria didn't pretend to be Kelly at the end. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of thought that too. I kind of thought that too. Oh, you know, Maria's going to say, yes, mom, I'm here just to comfort. Because she doesn't know whether or not Kelly's going to show up. No. Yeah, I was surprised by that too. Ah. I thought that's totally what the show was going to do. Yeah, they should have made her more drugged up. Mm. Because she probably would have been more drugged up. Yeah. And kind of slipping in and out of consciousness. Right. And Still with fabulous eyebrows though. Eyebrows totally on point. Mm Mm-hmm. But that's what should have happened. They should have had Maria come in with a blonde wig, with a little chip out of her eyebrow, and said, yes, it is Kelly the chin here. Right. I'm so sorry, Mum. I yeah. love you. Yeah. And then Laura could have flatlined and that would have been it. Right. How amazing would that have been? Yeah, I thought you'd been all right. Then again... I don't know if it would be moment of the week I, material. I, but don't, I don't understand this show and, and hospitals. Because she's not hooked up to anything. You don't hear any beeping in the background. There's no... Well, you don't hear beeping in hospitals. That's that's you, all for sure. Oh, yes, you do. Not when somebody flatlines, you don't. I mean, I think a, an alarm goes off somewhere, but... Yeah. I don't think... I certainly haven't sat in a hospital room with beeps going off left, right and centre. Well, as someone who's stayed in hospital <clears throat> quite a bit, and... Uh, yeah, the beeps keep you up sometimes. And then, of course, there's the the nurse that comes in at like 1 a.m. saying, okay, it's time to take your vitals. I'm going to wake you up in the middle of the night while you're trying to heal to take your vitals and then tell you to go back to sleep again while you're hooking up to this machine that's telling you about your heart rate and everything. Yeah. Hospitals, man. Yeah. I mean, I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed Laura being in it. Yes. I think, I think She's had a very she good was, character arc. She has, and she's been a good character just to just to keep a bit of pressure on Gary, which right. is what was lacking for so long that Gary was kind of able to get away with this, right? And not have really any threat to his his freedom. But every time that Laura was there, there was a kind of threat that that she was going to find something out, or she was going to say something, or right. something was going to get discovered. And she was really good for keeping him in check and keeping him on his toes. Right, and again, she was also really good before this with the whole Adam thing and being oh, kind yeah. of this, yeah. you know, blousy broad that just comes in. And then the whole Kelly on trial thing. She was great in that too. Nasty as anything and right. looking out for herself, but that's her, that was her character. Right, yeah. And every bit of her character arc has been believable. Yeah. I, I, the rede- I had no problem with her redemption story. No, I thought Kelly Allen has done a done a great job fantastic job uh, and yeah i'm going I'm to gonna miss, miss her gonna miss that character yeah definitely two years that she's been in it yeah two years past january yeah <clears throat> so now we just have kelly the chin yeah she's the last of the chins i think we've, we've even stopped calling them the chins for a while haven't we well we stopped calling i think we stopped calling kelly kelly the chin but we always called laura laura the chin i was i became worried that if they heard this they'd fixate about something being wrong with their chins when it had nothing to do with them it was all about rick <laughs> right it's all rick's chin right and he, even he didn't have that big a chin he did it wasn't that prominent it wasn't it was ray crosby had a much bigger chin that's why i remember that he was ray weinstein remember when we thought 
that they might have been secretly brothers or something and that the whole thing was, you know, to find out what happened to his brother. That totally would have worked. It would have been a very cool storyline. Yeah, they I, should totally hire us to write the, I just for hope, the show because it would be so much better. I hope that Kelly doesn't go down a, a predictable path here. Well, uh, again, like I said, I think she has enough support around her that that's not going to happen. I'm really hopeful because this 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 can't this can't keep happening where we have women can't cope with grief. They must get drugged up or drunk right. all the time. It's, this is this dull. is not good. It's not good. It's misogynistic and it's dull. Mm-hmm. And so it, don't do it. And it being dull is the worst of those two things. <laughs> Oh, I'm in a strange mood today. <laughs> you are in a strange <laughs> mood today. Maria. Still good. Still doing a great job. Yes. Uh, it was nice to see her finally let her emotions out. Right. Because she's been so stoic through right. this. Right, and just keeping everything bottled in because yeah. mm-hmm. she has to because Gary's just been so emotional. And isn't it great that there's that little uh, juxtaposition of the the shot of Maria and Gary looking through the window into the room to see uh, Kelly right. like they're her guardians even yes. though they're kind of responsible for pretty much Kelly's situation really vis-a-vis well, Rick the Chin. Rick the Chin is responsible for everyone's situation well, here, let's be honest. No, I, I liked and I liked Maria's reaction to plant. the homosexual barber trying to steal Kelly the chin away. Right, because Kelly being like, oh, I'm being of, headhunted. Lots of homeless people in the northern quarter looking for a haircut. And the fact that Maria says, you know, if I'm honest, he does have a really nice salon, but I'd like to keep you with me for a little bit longer. What a good boss. Yeah. Wanting the best yeah. for you and realising that the best maybe not be with you and your that's her having north. That's her having her, um, her mum hat on mm-hmm. instead of her boss hat. Correct. And that's nice because we don't get to see Maria with her mum hat very often. Hardly ever. Right. That child raises himself. Yeah. Him God, knows where he is. God knows where he right, is. Right, yeah. He? Where is he at all of this? Off with Finn. <laughs> well, that was the week that was Coronation Street. Yes, a it good was. week. It was a good a fun week. week. Lots to like. <laughs> Lots are just ridiculous. This is never going to happen. But you know what? Going along with it. Sure. Because no one wants to see. 44 minutes on a Wednesday night of people talking about the immigration situation of getting into Australia. Nobody right. wa- nobody's interested And in nobody that. wanted to see Emma go to prison because Faye would have to go to pr- back to prison as well and that was never going to happen. We'd never hear the end of it. No. So what was your moment of the week then? Oh, well, obviously it's obviously it's it's Kelly's grief at her mother's death. That's that's got to be it. Yes. Yeah, I didn't pick it as one of the clips because I thought it was kind of obvious. Uh yeah but yeah that's that's uh, it can't be anything else this week sorry emma and your black cab yes that's the thing sorry because that didn't even end the episode no it didn't and normally a black cab ends the episode feels like that's the way that we're going to close out the episode but it wasn't yeah, yeah. so i was surprised because that was actually the surprise to me that kelly was going to die the Laura, Laura was, was going to die, die this week was that we'd had the scene where the, the cab turning the corner right but then there was more yeah, I mean, we have, and we have the whole fizz moving off the street, and that was quite emotional as well. Yeah, yeah, it's been but, an eventful week. Right, yeah, it was a good week, but totally, it's it's Kelly and Laura. That is our moment of the week. Moment of the week. Uh, week? You bought a moment of the week. Pots. <laughs> Finally. 
Do you know Daniel's skipped Born Moment of the Week for quite a, quite a number of weeks? Yeah, but if I'm honest, it's more Daisy complaining about pots and how many pots and some were broken and some were big and some, and some were had clay. Pictures of pots in them. Right. They're just like uh, Dunkin' Donuts in Connecticut. <laughs> right, but it's just this whole thing that they keep doing with here's Daisy the dumbass and Daniel the brilliant guy and opposites attract blah 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 pots pots is a pots (laughs) always good to go for a loud plosive when you're speaking into a microphone (laughs) if you have thoughts on loud plosives into microphones drop us a line with the talk on the street at gmail.com and we're at Corey Podcast on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram we've also got one of those link tree things linktr.ee slash Corey Podcast that has all the links on it join us for the latest podcast by the Common Language Network Pots and thoughts it's and a, thoughts on pots. It's a podcast. <laughs> it's a podcast. You can shake me in hell on the coffee by heading to kofi.com. That's ko-fi.com slash the talk of the street. Check out the clicky clicky section of vogel.co.uk for links to merch store and YouTube channel. And if you're so inclined, please leave a rating and a review on the iTunes or your pod- podcast provider of choice. You were going to say podcast. podcast I was. <laughs> Thanks for making it to the end of another episode. And we will be back next week with more. A talk of the street. The talk of the street. Bye. Cheerio.